This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Vitamin C's with me, your boy, Adam Taylor. As usual, I'm joined by my homie, my compadre, my co-host in crime, Mr. Tim Shields. Tim, man, Merry Christmas, bro. What's popping? Merry Christmas, man. Hope everything went well over the holiday weekend. Um, everything's good, though, man. You know, I had I got some good stuff. I got some socks, got some good shirts, uh, got an always sunny hat and always sunny shirt, as well as a couple other fun knickknacks, so... All in all, pretty good holiday, pretty good Christmas, and um, just looking getting getting back into the swing of things. We've been away for a little bit, but uh, we've had some awesome developments since then. Yeah, I mean, man, the Christmas build up to Christmas, I was busy as hell. I'm not even gonna lie; like, I was working loads because there was loads of basketball going on. So you know, watching game tape, pushing on Twitter, trying to grow Twitter, pushing on like, my personal Twitter, pushing on Instagram, trying to grow there, and I was just like, dude. I don't think many people are going to want to watch. Like there was a bit of a losing streak going on. I was like, I don't want to feel too bad about myself talking like bad things all the time. So I was like, yeah, let's just wait till after Christmas, you know? And that's what we did. It's the 27th today. We'll be posting this today. We've only missed like two days. So we're going to, I just want to talk about the box game. And I just want to talk about snapping that losing streak and the way that we saw this team develop. So let's just start there from looking back at, the way the Celtics played against the Bucks. What were your three biggest takeaways? Playing with better energy. I think that was a team that they played up to. I think that was like the inverse. It's kind of what you thought you'd see when the team went against the Warriors. Like the Bucks are a team that's very familiar with the Celtics. Um, and it's a team that they know how to defend against. They defended Giannis really, really well. He struggled offensively. You had him taking three point shots. So I think one, they threw the Bucks out of rhythm in terms of their offense. Two, the Celtics went out and dropped 139. And I think, are the Bucks still like a top five defense? They might have been like the first overall defense going into that I think that they game. fell out of the top five in half court defense, literally because the Celtics dropped so many points on them. But they're definitely still like top five, top six defense. Yeah, like crazy good defense. Like they've got multiple players who have to be in the conversation, early conversation, at least for DPOY. Brooke Lopez is having a fantastic defensive season so far. So... They went out and it looked like the offense was back to what they were supposed to be. And three, I would say that they just overall, the energy seemed to be there. The effort was there. It was cohesive offense. The ball was humming. Um, the only thing that I'm still concerned about um, is got to be some of these bench rotations when it's JB plus the bench versus JT plus the bench. I think there's like a noticeable drop off. So I think they just need to change the offensive approach when it is just JB in the bench. Like I think they need to do their best to get the ball out of JB's hands and let someone else facilitate and have him just be like a primary scorer when those units are on the floor. Hashtag play finisher for all of y'all haters on that article from a few weeks oh, ago. Man. I'm not letting that go. <laughs> Not you're not wrong it's you know it yeah i get it <laughs> i mean for me the biggest thing was Giannis took three shots inside the restricted area all game free i didn't limited... know it was that bad yeah Ooh. so i wrote about this uh i think it went up today right so he took a few shots like just outside of the restricted area but literally within four feet of the rim there was three attempts maybe four but regardless three or four 
over the course of four quarters, you've done your best to keep him away from the rim. Most of his shots came in that mid-range area. And what the Celtics were doing was there was, rather than building like the wall and having like three guys line up, they were looking to dig on him. So that's when somebody kind of jumps towards the ball, fakes a steal, recovers to their man. And what that does is it pressures you to pick up the ball, it pressures you to pass or to get a shot off. So when Giannis was in that mid-range and was trying to break guys down with his back to them, you'd see somebody just dig at him. Uh, Derek White done a really good job of getting onto his hip so Giannis couldn't turn and fade away. Uh, Derek White done a really good job of that throughout the game. Or they'd have their wings pinch. So when Giannis got the ball at the top and he was coming off of a screen, two wings would kind of close the elevator doors. Now, if you have a screen like that, it's called an elevator screen on offense. It's very similar, but defensively, you kind of just close the gap. Now, there's two guys you're trying to get through, plus your point of attack defender. Giannis just struggled all the way through. And then, obviously, the biggest thing for Boston was you were making the shots, right? And Giannis' biggest issue overall, he's a transition dude. That's what... When you don't want Giannis getting the ball, ripping it off the board, and then just barreling down the court, picking up steam and becoming this human bulldozer. When you force them into a half-court set because, hey, we've scored, we've got back, our defense is set. Well, now you need Giannis to attack off the rip through, but you're closing the gaps on those rip throughs. So now he's having to like put you put his back up to you, get, get off the ball, look for another, and then all of a sudden he's just a pull up shooter. Hey, if you're making Giannis shoot pull ups all game, you've won that battle because that's not where he's most effective. So I was really impressed with how they limited Giannis in that game. I thought the mid range for him though has come a long way because he hit a couple minis and I was kind of surprised, but he's going to need to do that in order to break defenses down like this, because I think you hit the nail on the head right there when it comes to, if he gets a full head of steam and he's going to the rim, he is damn near impossible, impossible to stop at the rim. So what the Celtics were doing was awesome. Like they were coming out, they were meeting him before he could, you know, get the ball going and like, go full ham at the rim like he's not getting a full head of steam so it, it just made it a lot easier to contain him and I think the Celtics of all the teams that you see out there who have to go against the Bucks and have done so consistently especially in the playoffs they're one of the better teams defensively against him and I think you know what you're talking about there where they've got a, a help defender ready to you know kind of cause some problems make him uncomfortable force him to pick up his dribble like those are all things that they've been doing pretty consistently now for the past couple of years. Like the Bucks are a team that I respect and I respect the honest because he's just when he's in his zone, he is a force of nature and you just don't want to be in his war path when it comes to the playoffs. But they're not a team that scare me as much as some of the other teams in the East, because I think the Celtics are very, very capable of containing him. And when, Granted, you know, they don't have Chris Middleton. I do want to see like what this team is at full strength because Middleton's health has all of a sudden been a real problem over the past couple of seasons for them. Yeah, but don't you think that's been an excuse, dude? Like it's been an excuse, but I am saying like, like not having it. that number two, like a real deal number two. Like Drew Holiday's fantastic, but I don't think he's anywhere near the offensive impact kind of player that Middleton is. But I do hate them excuse making for him because at this point now it's like, okay. Can you, you beat us, in, like the, you beat us in the conference semis because we didn't have Chris Middleton? Oh, you beat us on Christmas Day because we didn't have Chris Middleton. Yeah. Okay, cool. I, I, I get that. Like, cool. Okay, fair enough. I'm not going to argue there, but how much would Chris Middleton have made a difference in terms of 
shooting profile, all it means is he's taking some shots that some of us don't make. He might give you 20, but somebody that gave you 15 might have only gave you five. Yeah. Right. The biggest difference for me is Chris Middleton being there probably stops you being able to pinch and dig on Giannis as much. Maybe Giannis gets going more downhill. I'd like to see a full strength Milwaukee face a full strength Boston. But yeah. that also means that Robert Williams isn't working his way back from injury and he's in the starting five, right? I mean, one thing we saw is for probably a noticeable amount of time under Joe Mazzula, the Celtics went double big. There was Grant Williams, Robert Williams were spending time on the floor together. So there was always another big waiting to come off the bench to play alongside Al. There was a lot of double big lineups. And that was interesting because we haven't really seen that from Mazzula this season. It's always been, you know, four... Uh, two ball handlers or four ball handlers and then a big man and what I say by two or four is sometimes there'll be two ball handlers, two finishers and Al Horford, right? But generally it's four ball handlers in Tatum, Brown, Smart and then you can go White, you can go Brogdon maybe or, you know, when he had Grant Williams in that starting lineup, it was three ball handlers, a sharpshooter and a big, however it may be. But you're running double big against... Um, Milwaukee simply because you don't want to have to worry about Brook Lopez and then have no secondary big body to take that battle with Giannis, right? So I thought John Mazzula showed some growth as a coach there, like a willingness to veer off course a little bit from what he's found success with. And then offensively, everything was working. I think one of the things I noticed during their, their slump, I'm not going to call it like a a losing streak. It was, but it was a slump, right? They kind of went away from their flare sets. They run a lot of flare screens, both on and off ball. And they went away from that during that West Coast road trip. It was a lot of high single pick and roll. But they were running more flare. They were running more stuff on the wings. They went back to running some of their twirl actions, which is uh, just go onto my Instagram because it's really hard to explain without showing the video in YouTube will tell us off. So I'm not putting the video on here. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just got monetized, man. I'm not risking <laughs> anything right now, dude. No, we don't have that sort of, that type of clout right now. But they were running multiple different actions that could have got you extra points. And they were doing decoy actions, which they did a lot during their hot start of the season. Everything kind of just came back to the way, the way it was, right? The ball was moving around. People were cutting off ball. You had some delayed cutters that would wait for the ball to touch the paint before they initiated their cut. You had guys relocating to create open lanes. And then you had Jason Tatum doing what an MVP candidate does. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And it was glorious. He looked great. And I, I glorious. You know, he he stepped up to the plate. Um, they've had a couple of games where he's looked good. I thought he looked great in the Pacers game. And granted, that was a tough one that you took on the chin. But I think overall, right now, the Celtics were just waiting for a couple guys to start getting their stuff together. And I thought you saw that against the Bucks. You know, Al Horford had a great game. Uh, Derek White also had a great game and he looked much more aggressive. He was kind to the rim. He was finishing around there. He's finishing through contact. Like that's the kind of stuff that you need out of those guys in order for this team to be successful. Like you need to be able to depend on at least a few of these rotational guys to put together 
some points, you know, it for a long time, it was just Jason and Jalen. And if one of those guys struggles, then you're in a, in a bind. So it's good to see specifically Derek white break out of that slump. He didn't hit any threes against the bucks, but I still think he finished the night like eight of 13 from the field. And I finished with like 18 points. So, and he's Did also you see Derek white was wearing an NBA paint jumper. No, so I saw that he got a haircut though. You saw his new do. Yeah, he's had it trimmed right. When I have yeah. it trimmed, it's, when I have a cut, it's top, I'm top five. Um, <laughs> he was, uh, you know, NBA paint, right? On Twitter. They, oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had, so they, he had he, a suit? He had the, they, they must do like a Derek White sweatshirt, right? Mm-hmm. And it's uh, something like Merry Derek White Christmas or w- Dreaming of a Derek White Christmas or something. And it's just like, you know, NBA paint, it's just somebody's made a terrible design on paint, slammed it on <laughs> Derek White walks into the arena wearing it, dude. And like, um, I'm just like, I remember following that account when there was like 20, 30,000 followers. It's at like hundreds of thousands now. Uh, and I just find it cool. I always like those moments where like Twitter or Instagram bleed into the actual league, right? And like, um, shout out to our guys, Greg and Will from Green with Envy podcast. They did uh, the Love Williams hoodie last year. And then yeah, Rob was nice. wearing that. Yeah, Smartwater did that one. And Rob was wearing that all around the place all the time. So, like, when you see it kind of cross over and you see, like, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram bleed actually into the NBA, I always want to point it out because those are really cool moments to be like, hey, you never know who's watching or who's listening or reading what you put out there. Uh, so, you know, I just wanted to point that out because I thought that was a really cool kind of, like, little Christmas moment. Yeah, it's definitely cool. And it's also, like, you know, you see people go on to have success in ways like that where, you know, Seeing a player rep your own gear must be pretty cool. I I always want to try and like make a design that someone would wear because ultimately at the end of the day, it's fun to make art, but it's even cooler when it gets like appreciated like that. So, you know, that's pretty cool. But, yeah, I mean, it's coming up with the, the funny stuff, right? I mean, yeah, just, uh, just for an update as well, I just want to give everyone an update. This came out while we were speaking a moment ago. Oh, geez. Okay. So it looks like Rob Williams would not be playing tonight against the Houston Rockets, and it looks like Peyton Pritchard is also questionable. So let me just pull up the tweet because it's happened as we were recording. Robert Williams is, will be, uh, is listed as questionable with a non-COVID illness for tonight. Peyton Pritchard also questionable with right thigh contusion. That must have been a practice injury because he ain't getting enough games to get no contusion. I was gonna say, like, I don't. I was like, I don't but it is it what it is, right? Like, Bucks, you know, Rob. I'm I'm fine with Rob taking rest days anyway. Like, the Rockets are a fun team. They're a young team. They're very explosive. Jalen Green's explosive. Having an explosive rim protector there to kind of combat that would have been fantastic. But at the same time, yo, he's just come back. We don't want him to be pushing through too much too soon. So yeah, let him rest, man. Let him rest. Luke Cornett can uh, just stand in the way. I don't think Jalen Green can jump like seven foot eleven to get over Cornett's arms as well. So we should be okay there. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, the, the the Rockets are a fun team. I mean, they just whooped Chicago last night. So that's another another angle you have to look at. Like they're not a joke, right? Now Chicago seemed to play really well against Boston and not very well against anyone else. Mm-hmm. But they came into town and they whooped Chicago's ass on Chicago's home court. I'm the day after Christmas. So they they have malicious intent. Interestingly, Boston are going to be more fresh, but and then Houston are going to be on that back-to-back. I, I think my thought process with that too is, I know that he was battling, whatever it is, it must be like a, 
it, it must be some kind of like stomach bug. Like I know the flu is going around like pretty badly. A lot of people are getting sick with the flu right now. If it's not the flu, it's COVID. Like it's like one or the other. Someone's getting it and getting it bad. But I, I guess if you're going to rest him and give him more time off while he's trying to battle this stuff, because Marcus Smart dealt with the same thing. I mean, Marcus Smart even talking about, you know, leaving the floor during the Lakers game and being like, yeah, I went in the back in the locker room and like threw up. <laughs> like I just needed to yak and I didn't want to do it on the floor. It, it clearly is going around the locker room. I'm just hoping nobody else catches it. So whatever they got to do, whether it's actually him being sick with some kind of bug, whatever, rest him. There's no reason to rush this because ultimately in the day, you're just trying to get him back up to speed. And, you know, he's had a couple good games. I thought he looked pretty good against the Pacers there. And they didn't see him. They didn't see a lot of him during that Bucks game. I felt not really. I mean, I wouldn't say it was much less than what we'd see in every other game since he's been back. I don't have his minutes totals up, but I'd assume it was around that fifteen to eighteen minute mark. Like the guy's on a minutes restriction, and you're going up against a team that plays really, really like rough defense. Man, they're, they're uh, how can I put it? They're physical as an mf'er. Right, so that, that those guys really push their body into you and stuff. I don't think, regardless of who your opponent was, regardless of it being a Christmas Day game, I don't really want to be like, "Yo, you need to play Rob Moore because of the stage that this game is, or because of who the opponent is." No, you keep to that minutes restriction, right? He hasn't looked a hundred percent yet. No. I love Not the yet. way the ball moves around when it touches his hand. We're back to that hot potato style of basketball with Rob Williams in there, and I just think that makes for such good ball movement, such good decision-making. So I'm happy when he's in there, but I'm also happy to keep him out and really play with those kid gloves at the moment because it's just so early in his return. Yeah, man. I mean, he probably did play a couple of minutes less against Milwaukee, but you were winning, dude. Like, yeah. you know, you come into the fourth quarter, Tatum could have gone for a 50-burger if he wanted, but they're just like, dude, sit. They won by you know, 21. That's what I mean. Like, you know, got no need, dude. Like, he only played 14 minutes, which doesn't that's surprise what I said, me. Like that 15 to 18 range. Yeah. He's, so he's been hovering around that. He hasn't yeah. been really like going too deep into minutes. I mean, I think he might have had one game where he did like get, I think, maybe close to 23, 25, but that was a few games back. And if he actually is battling some kind of stomach bug, like they're not going to try and have him go out there. Last thing you need to do is go ahead and play extended minutes 18 minutes is fine yeah like, well especially as he's working back up to conditioning that's what i'm saying right like mid-january if you want to bump that up to 25 minutes fine by me you've only if got he, to find four more after that yeah it, well if he caps out at like 25 and they just keep it at that i think that's like ideal we talked about this before i think on a couple episodes back when it comes to rob and his return you just don't want to like stress that too much like you don't want to go ahead and throw him out there and have him playing crazy minutes like he was before because while it was awesome you know this last season to see him out there on the floor and being a massive impact player he his workload was too much like it ended with him getting an injury so i just constantly am like in fear of things getting worse or you know somehow he goes out there and hurts it again just by playing a ton of minutes you know the more floor time he sees you know the risk the higher the risk is is what i'm saying so the upside there is now that this time last season, the Celtics had to up a gear mid-January. You know what I mean? And then they had, yeah. then it, was, it was an eight-man rotation from mid-January all the way through until the finals. And those dudes were just, there was no energy left because they had to make such a hard push 
throughout the regular season. They're already in a better position now because they're first in the East. You know, they've just got to maintain what they've been doing. We don't need to stick to an eight-man rotation. You can go deeper into your rotation because you've got so much momentum at the moment, so much headway compared to where you were this time last season. Maybe, you you know, maybe Jason Tatum doesn't need to play 32, 33 minutes every night. And obviously the ideal way is to do that via blowouts, but also just be more mindful that these guys ran out of steam. So give them ways not to run out of steam. It's all well and good being like, oh, well, that's their job. They're professional basketball players. How can you run out of steam? Because you're human, bro. Like just it's just work. It's cardio and work. How are you you're gonna like, tell me? Like, oh, yeah, well, you know, if you work out all the time and you paid millions at what so you buy you still got a human body, dude. Eventually it's gonna be like, bro, can you just give me a couple of days off? And the NBA <laughs> schedule's like, no. It's got limits, like there are physical limitations. Fortunately, they're in this home streak through the end of the calendar year. So it's not like they have to worry about travel. Granted, it is the holidays and stuff, so you know, there might Marcus be some travel back home bad today. And also, yeah, congrats to Marcus Smart. I we didn't even talk about it, but he he proposed and is now engaged. So congratulations to yeah, Marcus. Yeah, but he had Twitter in a meltdown to begin with. Did you see those tweets? No. What are you he talking was like, about? I've been giving this a lot of thought. And this is over a free tweet thing, right? So I'm paraphrasing. First one was like, I've been giving this a lot of thought and finally come to the conclusion. That's tweet one. Tweet two, <laughs> that it's time for me to leave. Then he leaves it at that for like an hour, two hours, right? <laughs> And then he put single out, life. <laughs> and then he put out a third tweet like, "Oh, I forgot the rest of it." The single life. She said yes. But can you imagine what Celtics Twitter was going through for like that one to two hour period where Marcus Smart's latest tweet is, "It's time for me to leave." <laughs> just like literally hours after they've just defeated the Milwaukee Bucks by a, a, a fairly good margin, and he seemed pretty happy while Everyone's doing like, it. What the fuck? What's going on with Marcus? Nah. So I can understand that. I found that really funny. I did because I was like, because yeah, one, I was asleep, right? Like I woke up to see. I missed it, and all by, this. <laughs> by then, the whole thing's there, and I saw it on Instagram first, anyway. So like, I knew kind of like by the time I even saw it unfold. But I was just like, man, that's a great sense of humor, dude. I I didn't even know about the tweets honestly until you just said that. Now I only saw like the end of it. And I was like, oh, that's like nice and wholesome. Like I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, like, he trolled hard, other crap. dude. But I'm <laughs> like, if he has a bad game against Houston, look, I understand. <laughs> I mean, he's probably been celebrating with family and friends this whole time. So like you know, yeah, yeah more power to him. Eight assists though in that box game. He's so, been like, what, phenomenal, is it like man. 16, 16 assists in his last two games to one turnover or something like that. It's it's a high uh, number like that. I can check. I... I'm pretty sure it's like 16 assists to one turnover in his last two games. Like when you want to talk about like everyone was saying we needed a pass first point guard. And I say we, and I don't like using that. So everyone said the Celtics needed a pass first point guard. It's the royal we, right? <laughs> the ro- And I'm English, so, you know, we can use that a little bit more. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, it was 18 assists, 18 there we turnovers go. now, but it's 18 to one turnover. I know there was one turnover. That's gross, man. Jalen Brown so looking good. at that with some envious eyes, dude. <laughs> get some drool. <laughs> He's like, How do you only get one turnover? I get turnovers when I catch the ball. What the fuck? But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, Marcus Smart, when you look at it. Like he just his ability to like he's calling out all the offensive sets, he's calling out the defensive reads. I think over the last two games, we've seen defensive player of the year version of Marcus Smart step back up on D. Um, just in terms of like I've seen him making the reads a bit more. He's there was a couple of plays against Milwaukee where 
Smart would try and get underneath the big man, whether that be Giannis, whether that be Brooke, before they could get into the paint or just as they entered the paint to kind of limit their chances to crash the boards, to offensive rebound, to be a lob for it. He's just putting his body and playing in the way, like by playing the angles and really limiting what guys can do there. He's just His versatility is ridiculous. On both sides of the floor now, he's unquestionably the best passer on the team. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's debatable at this point. No. He's so good. He's yeah. been so good. And do you know what it is? The the better he's got at setting up the setting the table for everybody else, the better his shot selection's got. He's not shooting because he's he's seeing the success when he he's doesn't passing. have to. Yeah, like he's so realizing he doesn't have to. You've gone away from no 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 yes, Marcus, to like Yes, please, Marcus. So, attack like, the rim, Marcus. Like when yeah. you attack the rim, he's one of the better finishers on the team, too. He yeah, really he, is. He's just got that circus shot package. Yeah, he really he's does. Just, he's like, yeah, I can just, like, you know, I finish through traffic all the time. But like, I'm most comfortable with smart taking shots when he's working out of that mid post. That's where I'm like, that's his back, dude. Like, he, he's got so, such a post game for a guard because of his strength and his low center of gravity. And he's got good control of like, his hip movements, the way he the way he spins off of guys. I'm a big, big fan of Marcus Smart as a post guy. I also think he's the like there was questions about this at the beginning of last season, and then they were all very fair. I think at this point it's unquestionable that he is the perfect guard for this team. I think teams around the league are looking now like, damn, Marcus Smart was more, he was yeah, he's a combo guard. I get that, but he's developed into being like a legitimate point guard. I think like, he's kind of starting to fill into that Kyle Lowry comparison, right? He's yeah, not, like, the shot's not there the three. from three yet. It's not consistent enough from three. Well, I think Lowry was like 30 by the time his shot became consistent from deep. It wasn't like he was always consistent shooting from deep. Oh, yeah. But I mean, like that was part of like his career trajectory, right? Like just overall development. And I think now the Celtics are finally putting him into this position where he can really, really excel. And seeing, like you said, I think setting the table for the stars has really been where it's at. Like, I think they talked about it on the broadcast. It was after Smart got this really insane bounce pass and transition, like between two Bucks defenders and got it to yeah. Tatum, who finished a really nice layup. And I was just looking at the replay of that. And I just thought to myself, just an insane pass and a really good read. But they were talking about that's how you keep your superstar happy. You know, you, you have someone who can create for you and find you on those kind of looks. And I think smart is just such a good chemistry guy at this point in time. You know, obviously they had their issues last season, all of the drama. Some of that is fueled by media. Like I'm going to go ahead and acknowledge that too. You know, talking about media. I know, I know it's not everybody. It's not everybody, but just acknowledging the fact that like, there are some like rhetorics that were being pushed there, especially like we talked about with smart being, is he the right guard for this unit? And I think now we've started to really see him blossom into that. I do. They've said this a few times. I do want to give shout out to Damon Stoudemire because he really, really worked on developing smarts game even further. And I think we're really starting to see that flesh out the way, you know, we'd all hoped it would. Good Damon Stoudemire. No jokes aside. I, I'm like, I don't know how much more I can say about him. I just think that his ability to, what are you laughing at? And just laughing and just like, I don't know how much more we can praise him today. <laughs> yeah, because we're just going to say the same shit in a different way. Yeah, I love that, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but people watching are just like, dude, you uh, said yeah, no, no, that's fair. That's fair. It's just like, I'll just, I'll just end it with this. 
we love Andrus Marcus Martin this show. Hasn't always been that way. Sometimes I was a disbeliever. Sometimes I was more of a believer than others. We've been there. But yeah, he's playing he's playing the best ball of his career. He's making everyone around him better. And he's not chucking up ridiculously stupid shots. What more can you ask for? What more can you ask for? Now, what I can ask for is that no, I'm not going to avoid that one. I'm going to avoid that one. No, I'm uh, going to ask the Jalen Brown stop turning the ball over. Uh, um, that's fair. No, but overall, Jalen Brown's been <laughs> solid. Uh, <laughs> he's been fantastic too, uh, as a scorer, as a finisher. Defensively, still falling asleep a little bit off ball. I think that's a big issue at the moment. Is uh, He just kind of falls asleep at the wheel, right? Like point of attack defense, he's engaged, he's physical, he, he knows how to use his body, he... His, but off ball, man, like his screen navigation needs to work. I feel like he's getting caught up on screens a bunch. Guys are just creating so much space off of him as he's trying to fight over screens. And then just being over-focused on the ball, right? Like, And this is like something I try and do when I watch games. I'm very like cognizant of, hey, don't watch the ball. There's four other guys on each side of the floor. You're going to see more of the game watching those four guys than you are watching the dude with the ball. Jalen Brown needs to remember that too because I feel like he gets so hyper-focused on whoever's got the ball and he's just getting back cut consistently though. Like it's not just one game. It's not two games. All season long. It happened bad in that Pacers game. A cut multiple times, bro. Multiple times. Backdoor cuts like just losing off ball badly. I think the worst was that Miles, that Miles Turner one where they were starting to cut in the lead and like he had a bad layup on one end and then him and Rob got caught up on a switch and then... Miles Turner just made the backdoor cut and like he knew that he was there. He was like pointing to Miles Turner, like, hey, there's a guy there. And then he just went back door and no one stopped him. And it's like you you can't do that. We can't keep letting this go. Like and that's- then what happens is you have your help defender, like your weak side help man has to rotate over. Now there's a corner free that's just become available because you've engaged yeah. that guy. The low man has to step up. So now there's someone in the dunker spot if they're playing a, a four out one in. You got a dunker spot pass there available too. And all because Jalen Brown fell asleep, you know, and then everyone starts to collapse. You can kick out to the perimeter, one, two pass, boom, you'd three points down. And we know that's possible because that's how the Celtics hurt you. They get you to collapse, then they pass, then they pass, and they make the ball so quick that eventually there's just someone wide open. And Jalen Brown being back cut might not sound too bad, but it sets off a chain reaction of defensive rotations that can really end up screwing up a possession. And if you can do that three or four times a game, that's a potential eight to 12 points. You know what yeah. I mean? And that, that's a swing right there. That's like a momentum swing all the way through. So it's my only growth at the moment. I think Jalen Brown having an all-star season. I think that he's shown development uh, as, as a, like a three-level offensive threat. I think he's shown development with his handle at speed. Like he's not just dribbling it off his foot anymore. I don't think he's ever going to be the guy that you asked to initiate the offense. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a slate on him. You know, everybody's skill set's different. But the biggest issue for me at the minute is your off-ball defense. Uh, I feel like, I just feel like you're letting too many things get behind you, paying too much attention. And and that's just not like thinking like, do I need to dig? Do I need to like stunt at this guy? Do I need to pinch in? Like, it's not that he's being lazy or he's just overthinking what he needs to do to pressure the ball handler. And then, the, the shooter that he's guarding or the slasher that he's guarding is just doing their job and being opportunistic. 
it's just the only issue for me right now from Jalen Brown. Everything else I think he's improved or he's stayed the same and he's definitely an all-star guy this year. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that too. I think Smart kind of hit upon it in, I think it was the post-game interview after, I want to say, Minnesota. And he came up to him was like beating Jalen on the chest. Like, that's how you effing play. Like, play like that. Like, I don't want to ever see you like hanging your head down. And I think you talk about mental lapses, getting caught up in your own head. I think that's what's been impacting his game all over the floor. I think he's overthinking things. And I think it's just making everything more difficult for himself. And I think when the offense is free flowing and everything like that, you can tell that it's just effortless when they're really like in a groove as a unit. And I think when he gets caught up in his head of worrying about X, Y, and Z, where it's just, just take care of the little things, the big things take care of themselves. And I think that's the thing he gets caught up on. It's noticeable, but we'll, we'll see ultimately if it's something that he works on, but I, I think it's just a mental, you know, hurdle he has to get over fast quickly okay with that being said i've got another podcast i need to go and jump onto because i messed up my timings when we were arranging recordings <laughs> naughty me we'll be back later this week we're monetized now thank you everybody that helped us get there we w- which means we're going to be way more consistent we're going to be doing more stuff i've got a few interviews i'm trying to arrange for the new year i don't tell you who they are because then it won't be a surprise but you know Hopefully they're cool. Not just the usual media people. Obviously, I like having media people on with, you know, Abby, Chris, um, Jared, John, all the media from Boston in Boston NBA is just fantastic. But uh, hopefully I'm going to get some other people to come on the show too. We'll see how that goes. Until then, we hope you have a fantastic December 27th, you know, two days after Christmas. So you guys don't celebrate Boxing Day, right? No, no. No, I think it's that's Canada. <laughs> we have Boxing Day. I th- you must have Boxing Day because we don't have Boxing Day. We have Boxing Day. What exactly is Boxing Day? It's just a dark. It's a day where we don't do nothing, and it comes directly after Christmas. Oh, well, that sounds pretty good. Now that so you it's the day it like after that. Christmas, it's a national holiday. No one does anything. I think back in the day, like old, old, old times, my mom was telling me this earlier when I asked her. It was something to do with like when the servants would go around to the houses of like of the rich people and collect all the boxes, break them down, take them back. I don't know, dude. I've always growing up, I was like, yo, why is there no boxing on TV? Let these dudes, if it's boxing day, <laughs> let these dudes duke it out, man. But, uh, you know, is what it is. But yeah, happy day after boxing day if you're English and if you're American, happy two days after Christmas. We'll catch you later this week, y'all. Peace. Cheers.